Good morning. So this is a bit of a part two. Actually, I've got a couple other things to say before that. Which were, um, I just wanted to thank Paula for calling the fast, for hearing from the Lord and sharing what the Lord was saying. And that was really good. That was a word in season. Um, and then just a reminder that fasting is a part of our regular devotion. So as we end our corporate fast, to just be seeking the Lord how fasting should be just part of how we wait his return um, for each of us individually. Um, I had something else, but it's gone, so I'm just going to start. So, uh, last time I got to talk, which was not that long ago, uh, due to circumstances, uh, I talked about being a pillar in the temple and about hearing and having a word from the Lord and what it does. And I Um, This is sort of a part two. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, what he's saying about the current day and what it means to have a word. And this is is a word not just about, hey, oh, yeah, I forgot. I had these words. I haven't thought about them in a while. I haven't, you know, I need to pull them back out and make sure that I'm carrying them, which is good. But this is really about the bride being wholly different because she is prophetic. Because she has the word of the Lord in her, we have the word of the Lord in us, and we're act, it's letting, it's, we are letting it change how we respond to things in the world, how we move in this current time. Um, not just, hey, I've got this cool promise from the Lord, and every once in a while I'm going to remind myself from it, for, about it and go, oh yeah, he said someday that this is, you know, I'm going to have this ministry, or he's going to someday bless these people that I've been praying for. Someday, you know, that their hearts are going to be moved. It's not just about pulling out the promises and going, yep, still got that promise. It's about, it, are those promises, are those things that he's given you actually changing today how you move, what you say, um, how you stand out, how we stand out from the rest of the world right now. So let's go to John. We'll start in John 3. There is a stability, hence the pillar, for the people of God right now that is so counter to the franticness that's in the earth right now. And that is born out of having heard from the Lord and carrying that word. And, not, and by carrying it, that means letting it work through us and change us. Not just I have a thing that I can repeat, but that it's actually um, affecting today. John 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Um, Not even just go in, but can't even see it, can't even recognize it for what it is. It's completely impenetrable to the world. Um, I think, you know, it's one of these common things that 
we say to each other or people in the church say to each other is like, how can you expect the world to act like it's actually in the kingdom, right? Um, the church can't, the world can't even, it looks at the church and it's like, I don't even see a kingdom there. Um, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. So there's no understanding. There cannot be any understanding of, um, the world cannot understand the hope that we have. And it can understand why we're doing the things that we're doing. Um, if we are actually being led by the Spirit, there should be puzzlement when someone without the Spirit looks at what we're doing. It should not look, they should not be able to add it up and go, yep, there's some kind of math there. Even though I don't agree with the math, I can recognize it. It's a complete mystery. It's like, it does not make sense at all. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, are you a teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Like, Jesus is looking at him and going, actually, this isn't something that should be mysterious to you. You are, you know, you're a teacher of Israel. You are who speaks for the Lord, for God to people, who tries to lead them in to God's presence. You're one who actually has um, studied, delved into the prophets. So it wasn't like Jesus is like, yeah, this is a brand new thing. He's actually calling, and we're going to see this. Um, he's actually like, this is something you should have been carrying already. So what does it mean if the world doesn't understand what the bride is doing because it cannot hear the Spirit? Um, it means that, it, that we're set up. I mean, this is partly where persecution comes from, is because the world looks and is like, this makes no sense. And when something doesn't make sense, what, how do we react to it in the flesh? We get mad at it. Like, I can't understand this. It bugs me. I have to deal with the fact that this makes no sense. Let's go to Matthew eleven sixteen. And isn't that what a lot of the like interactions with Jesus and the Pharisees were? Is the Pharisees coming up and going, This makes no sense. We've got some rules. We've got some things that we understand, we think we understand are from God. And what you're doing just doesn't make sense. Can you explain it? And he would point them to the Spirit and to the Father over and over again. And a lot of times wouldn't explain what he's doing. He would just direct them back. Hey, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something, and it's actually going to be a paraphrase of what a prophet said. And he kept pointing them back to, you know, go back and look. Take another round. Ask the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, getting the chalkboard out and, like, writing out the formulas and the steps in the process was not going to help anybody. Matthew eleven sixteen. 16. 
What shall I like in this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their companions and saying, we played the flute for you, you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did not lament. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is justified by her children. Um, and again, this is the world. You know, this is the world going, hey, this is going on right now. And it's, you know, depending on what part of the world we're talking about, what camp they're in, they're pointing at different things and saying, this is the right reaction to it, and frustrated when other people aren't reacting the way that they should be. You've seen the bumper stickers that are like, um, if you're not mad, you're not paying attention. You know, it's, it's, it's a thing. It's like, it's basically saying, come on. You got to get stirred up and passionate about this thing because it's bad and we got to deal with it. Um, and if you don't, you're an enemy. You must be on the side of this evil thing because you aren't going, taking arms up against whatever it is that I'm upset about. And the thing, and so I've been talking about the world, but also, like, what generation is he actually talking to? When he says this generation is like children saying, "Come on, we're playing a good song. Why aren't you dancing? Why, why you got that? You know, why are you all like downcast? And oh, we played this. Uh, we're, we're we're doing the morning thing now. Why aren't you?" He's actually talking about a generation of people who had grown up with the word of the Lord, um, referring to Pharisees. Sadducees who studied scripture and to, um, you know, he's ministering in Jerusalem and surrounding areas to Jews who have for thousands of years been carrying the oracle of God. But there is a split between those who are actively listening to the spirit and those who aren't, who don't have um, the word of the Lord working in them. They may have some to repeat. They may have some to acknowledge with the mind, yeah, this is true, but it hasn't actually taken root, changed how they react. Uh, not even how they react, how they move, how they speak. Which is to say... Um, we are either prophetic or we are reacting. And whether or not we are inside or outside of the church is not the distinguishing feature in that. It's whether or not we are receiving the word of the Lord, have received the word of the Lord, and are holding it, and are meditating on it, and are letting it work its way through us. Uh, John 11. Let me go to the story of raising Lazarus, just to contrast this a bit. Because this is the sifting in the world right now. This is the sifting in the church right now. There is a sifting between those who are listening, who are reaching for the word of the Lord, who are letting it completely, the word of the Lord, be the complete framework for our lives right now and those who are in the church and aren't doing that. And this is a moment of, um, of choice to either 
to be in that place of I need to I need to be all in on hearing the Lord and letting it make me completely different or I need to step out of the body there has been you know there's there are times where the Lord in patience waits and lets us kind of go forward in a way where we're kind of like, I love you, Lord, but I'm not really listening. And there are times where he's like, it, it's time to test that and make a decision. John eleven seven. He said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. And are you going there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Jesus is seen by the light of the Spirit. We're the disciples at this point. Where did that reaction come from? What, what did they say to him? We heard the Spirit say, No, they didn't say. We hear the Spirit say, Right? Fear. They're reacting to, wait a minute, lately you got attacked. It's a completely just worldly event is the prompt for the decision they're going to make about whether or not to go. Clearly the decision is, A, event happened, therefore B, we don't go right now. It's a bad idea. You're going to get attacked. Again, they're going to kill you. They're reacting to what their physical eyes see. Even though, you know, like these are his disciples. They're the ones who love him. They're like, Jesus, we, we figured that out enough. We felt the prompting of the Spirit. We've responded. We're following you around. We know they're out to kill you, but we're still hanging out with you. We haven't totally been like, out of here. But they're still walking in this darkness of not hearing. This is what the Spirit is saying right this minute. Or even... Who knows? Who knows how long ago Jesus was with the Father, and the Father was like, on this day, you're going to go back in, and you're going to go to Lazarus. But they haven't received that. They haven't received what the Spirit is saying, um, and let it change what moves them. They're still being moved by the circumstances of the earth. These things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. So you'd think that'd be like, okay, Jesus, the one we've decided we just like left all of our livelihoods to follow. He just said, let us go again. But Thomas, who's called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, all right, I guess we'll go so we can die with him. Like, again, he's reacting, right? He's reacting a little bit better. He's like, okay, the master said we're going, so we'll go. But he's still not hearing the spirit say, it's not his time. It's not your time. We're going so that the father may be glorified through the son. And it's going to be okay. So even though they're like, there's a reaction, right? To, they're still reacting in in a non-spirit place to Jesus going, well, all right, you're in church. 
so we'll do it. Uh, but I guess this is the end, um, or at least Thomas is. We get to, to talk about Peter a lot, which I'm going to do in a minute, but, <laughs> but Thomas gets his chance too. We all do. But these are the days where we can be praying into not following, even following the Lord. You could follow the Lord in the flesh. It's weird. You can hear what he says and try to obey it, but not really obey it. It's, you know, Jesus is like, let's, let's go in in boldness because we can see we're not, there is no danger right now. And they can sort of be like, yeah, okay. Um, but not really be moving by the Spirit. All right, so um, in this distinguishing, these are days of harvest. We know that the Lord has said an end-time harvest is coming. We know that that is the point of what's going on in Israel right now, what's going on through the Middle East, what's going on in, it's spreading all over the place. It is a fire started in Jerusalem and is now spreading out. Um, and it's, it's touching all the earth. And it is going to get a harvest. There are, people are going to react. But people are going to react by the Spirit, and people are just going to react. It is possible to react what the Lord is doing completely in the flesh. Let's go to Matthew 3. Starting at the beginning of the chapter. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins." Like, we have no idea how many people were baptized by John, and then that's about all it was, you know? It was like, it was a good weekend conference out in the desert with John, and then they went back to their lives. I, I'm confident of good portion. <laughs> um, and we have no idea how many of them actually went on to that baptism, and then he had disciples who were like, oh, it's time to switch over to Jesus, you know, and he said... He's the one. And they actually went, okay, we were, we were listening to you. Now we know it was all toward, now we're going to become Jesus' disciples. Um, but it was a mixture. And it goes on to say, um, he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism. And he said to them, brood of vipers who warned you to flee the wrath to come. Which has always struck me as so odd because he's out there warning people to flee the wrath to come like you know clearly they came to hear him because they heard somebody sharing that he's out there preaching and saying this and they're like well let's go check it out so uh so he did but 
at the same time, he's calling out something. There, he's seeing by the Spirit that they're reacting to a true word of the Lord, but not by the Spirit. According to their flesh, they're coming out to go, well, what is this thing? We've got to check it out, you know. We've got to, you know, we are leaders of Israel, so we've got to, you know, make sure this is on the up and up and then maybe, like, poke some holes in it and see if it, you know, what it's about. And then we can go back and tell all the people who pay attention to us, like, whether they should be going out there or not. They weren't led by the Spirit to come out to the desert to repent and be baptized and change. Which is to say, this is always true, right? This is always true um, and is going to be right now. Because right now, wherever the church has stability, has the word of the Lord and is speaking truth into a confused and chaotic world, people are going to feel the difference and they're going to be drawn to it. And some are going to be drawn by the Spirit and be like, I want to be changed like that. And some are going to be drawn to, for a little while, kind of be comforted by the heat off of it, the light coming off, but not actually want to step in and be changed themselves. And how do you know? By the Spirit, just like John, you know. When the Lord is miraculously bringing in the harvest, he's also going to miraculously sift Let's go to Luke 19. Verse, starting in verse 29. Am I talking way too fast? Okay. I feel like I'm talking. I feel like all. Oh, God is good. Luke 19, 29, it came to pass when Jesus drew near Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village opposite you, where as you enter, you'll find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you will say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So where did he get this from? The Spirit, through Zechariah. Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Like, oh, I even looked it up. The the years that Zechariah was prophesying. But, you know, like, at least hundreds of years prior, the Spirit talked to Zechariah and established something that was going to happen that was going to confirm Jesus' identity. And then, at some point, he talked to Jesus, who was, you know, fully man and had to move by the Spirit, and said, you're going to do this, and this is how you do it. Which is to say... um, there is preparation. There's a carrying of the word. Like the word speaks to us, uh, the Lord speaks to us in the moment and does say, you know, like, do this now. 
But my experience is he usually says it a little bit ahead of time at least. Or he says it a lot ahead of time, and then you have to have a lot of patience waiting until the day that it comes to pass. Um, and because of that, moving by the Spirit is so different the way the world works. Because the world is watching and is like, what's going on now? Here's the fire. How do we put it out? Here's three ways you could put out fires. Oh, number two seems good. Whereas the Lord's like, you know what? There's going to be a fire in a week's time. Here's how I want you to respond to it. And then when you get there, you're like, you're right. Lord, you told me this fire was going to spring up. And you told me how to respond. And I didn't, you didn't give me like a specific, like I, I didn't know exactly what it was going to look like. It was, it was a vague thing I took in faith. But my heart is prepared. And I don't run around with my hands in the air going, ah, because it broke out because you said it was going to happen. One of the hardest things I've ever had to do, the Lord gave me a dream about it, maybe a week or so before. And it was so awesome. It was so cool to be like, this is so much easier than I thought it was going to be because I got a dream about it from the Lord. And I could rejoice at the time. Uh, Okay, continuing on. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus. There's like no record of what the colt owner said. They just, they said what Jesus said to do, and then they came back with a colt. <laughs> it's like, I just, I want to know whoever this colt owner was. Like, what happened there? Like, did the colt owner get a word, you know, a week earlier? Was he like, every time they read Zechariah 9-9 in the synagogue, I think about my cult. And so when some people came and were like, Jesus needs your cult, he was like, yes, that's awesome, go. You know, I don't know, like, what happened there? But he, like, there's no record of him going, that's not a good idea, why do you want my cult? You know, like, it, was, it must have been easy because they didn't write anything down about what happened. They were just like, okay, Jesus said it, we did it. It happened. Then they brought him to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the colt and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. A whole multitude of disciples, a large group, are proclaiming him. He comes in to crowds. Prophetically, like according to what was prophesied. There was some kind of move of the Spirit on them to say the right things at the right time so that it would be fulfilled. And yet, they were scattered, this crucifixion. That multitude wasn't still 
Like, he is the king. He is the Lord. Which is, I talked about last time, it's, you know, it's the parable of the sower. In Matthew 13, 20, he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a little while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. We can be asking for him to talk to us, but if it doesn't change us, it's like seed just drying up and blowing away. If it doesn't change how we move and speak and interact with people and how we see the things going on around us, then it's a futile exercise of just coming back and going, I need more word, I need more word. This is something I've seen you know, in charismatic circles where it's very common to prophesy over people and create a specific time for it and be like, everybody who wants a prophetic word, come up and we're going to go down the line. And then as you see it over time, you realize like people just keep going up and up and up and up, hungry for a prophetic word, but it doesn't actually seem to be doing anything to fulfill, which is why they need to come up one more time and hope the prophet gives them a word. Which is not to say it's not good to go up and be like, you know, do you have a word for me? But it becomes clear that some believers who believe in prophecy are living in a state of, I just need a new one, but it's not actually filling me. It's not growing and it's not leading me to get them from the Lord as well as from my brothers and sisters. Galatians 5.22. Because we, you know, words are weighed by their fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so this is one of the tests of a word, is does it produce an exuberance that lasts a moment and then is gone? And maybe it was a good word, but we didn't receive it and let it take root. Um, this is the problem with reacting in the world. You know, I'm talking about like, oh, the fire, because there's, there's always a fire. And that fire is not going to be the same fire as next week's fire. And if we are reacting when the fires happen, then we're running back and forth just, Constantly being like, that one out, you know. <laughs> Don't talk to me. I'm putting out a fire. Um, and that that lasts for a moment, right? That's like, yeah, I was stirred up. I had a thing in my heart about that fire, but if it's purely a reaction to that fire. 
I'm going to have that thing in my heart for that fire next week. And I have a thing for that, my heart for that fire next week. As opposed to the Lord saying, this is the ground that you're taking. This is the ground that you're defending. This is the ground that you're caring for and sowing seeds into. Um, our English words, patience and passion, both come from the same Latin root, pati, which means to suffer. Um, and interestingly enough, of course, Galatians is written, uh, the Galatians we have is in Greek, translated in English. Um, but that word long-suffering and the fruit of the Spirit, you know, the sufferings and the word long-suffering, we also sometimes translate it patience because long-suffering is an old-fashioned word we don't really use outside of the church anymore. Um, it also means fortitude, just like an endurance. But the word passions, crucifying the passions on the flip side, not fruit of the spirit, fruit of the flesh is also uh, that Greek word. It's a different Greek word. They're not connected, but it also talks about sufferings. Um, it is a passion born of like a, a reaction to something unpleasant, painful. And the difference between the passion, which we still use, like archaically in English, to refer to Jesus' suffering, you know, the passion of the Christ, passion of Jesus, um, the passion that's born of the Spirit is very different than the passion that's born of the world, of the flesh, of reacting. The passion that comes from the Lord speaking to us endures it suffers long. Um, and we can get, you know, like some good drums going and some good songs going and maybe some like moving lights and a fog machine and feel passionate about something for a little bit. Or go, you know, spend three days at a conference where we're just talking and praying and worshiping for three days straight and it's so good and I feel so great. At the end of the day on Sunday, a little tired, but really good in the Lord. And then, you know, you, you feel it sort of fade a week, two weeks later, which is not to put conferences down because the Lord can move through them too. But there can be a point just like coming up for that prophetic word. It's like, I got to find the next, next conference because it makes me feel passionate. But that is a passion born of the flesh. If you just got to find the next one as opposed to a passion that's born out of listening to the Holy Spirit, out of coming up and praying in the natural, weak prayers and playing some naturally weak music, but powerful in the Spirit, week in and week out over years. That is a passion born of the Spirit. And it's wholly different from a passion that reacts and is like, oh, something's going on. We got to deal with it. We got to respond to it right now. And those who are hearing the Spirit are like, yeah, absolutely. That's what, this, the, whole, that's what the Lord's been saying.
which goes back to like that image that I shared last time that the Lord gave me of the temple and looking down from a corner of it and seeing the pillars established and seeing uh, in time-lapse people moving around and they're just blurs, they're just ghosts through the temple. They have no substance in the temple because there is an in and out in this age of the temple, metaphorically speaking. There is a drift in and out of holy ground, of waves, of people. And when something happens in the earth and people react and they run into the temple, the beautiful thing is the Lord has set that up and a few of them will stay and become established and become pillars and the rest will blow out and be ghosts that barely were there. John 13. And he says, right, he says, um, there's a time where the wheat and chaff get separated and we're not to, to judge the false wheat from the good wheat ahead of time. I feel like, I just feel like this is partly a preparation for just receiving people who are, who are hearing and looking for a safe place. Receiving them, letting the sift happen, blessing, ministering, speaking to, sharing the word of the Lord in the hope and knowledge that some will be established, but also not dismayed that some are not and blow back out again. Uh, John 13, 6. I'm just going to blow through these real quick, I think. Uh, Jesus came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, what? I am doing. You do not understand now, but you will know after this. And Peter said to him, you'll never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And Peter said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said, he's bathed, needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. This is Peter reacting, right? Reaction. Wait a minute. No, you're God. You're the Lord God. You're the, you know, you're the Christ. You are the anointed one of the Lord. You can't serve me. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, no, serve me lots, because that's great. You know, you, you explained it. He's, re- he's reacting not by the Spirit at all. He's reacting to the words that Jesus is saying. Uh, Matthew 16, 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. And we know um, Jesus' response to that. But again, not by the Spirit at all. Completely a reaction. And it's out of affection. It's out of a limited understanding of who Jesus is. Like, it's not completely, um, you know, I'm reacting in the flesh in a bad kind of, like, I don't like you kind of way. It's completely in a, I think you're great 
kind of way, but completely not by the Spirit, still in the flesh. John 18, 3. Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? How did he know all things that would come upon him? By the Spirit. Yeah, by the Spirit in his time before the Father, and by the Spirit through the prophets. Like, whenever, not whenever, when people come and asked, asked, People came and asked. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, he was like, prophet. Prophet said, prophet said, like, he had been spoken to through the prophets just like we are, um, in addition to the still small voice of the spirit resident inside us. Uh, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, whom are you seeking? And he got it ahead of the time, you know, like he spent several decades learning and talking to the Lord, talking to the Father, um, receiving. Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. And then he asked them again, whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I've told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. That the saying might be fulfilled, which he spoke of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. Like he specifically like, let these guys go. Like they're not appointed for this right now. It's not their moment to be killed. Um, Which is so wonderful. Uh, then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. Exactly what Jesus was trying to avoid, right? With this, to like make this turn into a life-threatening situation, specifically for his disciples, because they needed to be kept for the times they actually were appointed to suffer and die for his sake, those that were. Um, but Peter goes right to the to the physical, and right to a just completely fleshly response, right? After all of the, the invitation from Jesus to be like, hear what the Spirit is saying. Hear what the Spirit said to the prophets. Hear who I am. Peter's still reacting in the flesh. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword in the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? I've prepared for this moment. You know, I just spent the night praying and confirming with the Father that this cup was the way. I've I've got a stability in me to walk through this because of the word from my Father by the Spirit. Let's contrast to Acts 2, starting in 14. So the Spirit's been poured out on the upper room. There's fire. There's rushing wind, um, speaking in tongues. Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, uh, 
who are they? It's a multitude, right? It's a mixed multitude from different parts of the earth who are all like, what is going on? We know by the end of the day, 3,000 people will be saved. So this is a big group. Again, probably not all of them were saved that day. Like probably some of them came running in to go, what's going on? What is this craziness? Why do we hear different tongues? And then by the end of the day, we're like, well, that was weird. And, you know, went back to their lives. Um, it does not say that. I'm just, right? This is how it works. This is the heart of people. Um, again, reacting to the Spirit, but reacting, not prophetically moving by. But Peter says, uh, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I'll pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I'll show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified, put to death, whom God raised up, having loosened the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he's at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You'll make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he's both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne, he, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, all of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. So back when Peter was like, no, no, you can't go to your death. You're the one, you're the Messiah. You're the chosen of the Lord, anointed. Did Peter know these verses? Yeah, he probably did. Like these, this is the, you know, he, even these um, manual laborers spent a lot of time hearing the word of the Lord. Like this is the culture that they're in where they are going and hearing the readings. They're attending, you know, it's like mandatory to go up on the holy days. They're hearing these things and they're getting them just by repetition of year after year after year, hearing these things read out and taught on. So he knew all of these things, but still was like, no, Jesus, 
because he hadn't heard the Spirit. Talk to him through these and say, this is the one right in front of you that I'm talking about. And the difference is, he got 40 days of Jesus resurrected teaching and then 10 days praying about it and then an outpouring of the Spirit to change. I've got all that language, but now I have a word of the Lord. And instead of react in the moment, he's like, these are the things that have been written for thousands of years that we are standing on and have been waiting for. It's a completely different way of moving and being that I think we've tasted in part here, but I'm longing for completely, and the Lord's doing it. And it's going to be one of the primary ways that we shine, like I mentioned last time, because people are going to be like, I see chaos. Like, Remember um, during... COVID lockdown times, where it seems like you couldn't read a news source with somebody going, and an unprecedented event is happening. And it was like everybody used the word unprecedented over and over again. And they were all kind of, you would read and they'd be a little bit bashful about it. We know this is kind of seems like a hyperbolic word, but really, this is the first time in recorded history that A has happened, or this has happened, and oh, now it's a week later and I have to write another article that probably should say an unprecedented this happened. Because it is the quickening of the birth pangs of the rival of the Lord. And so it's going to mean a lot of whoa, whoa in the world. A lot of running about. A lot of what do we do about this? A lot of, um, well, this seems like the smart thing. Boom. And it's easy to think that it's all sort of this sort of like, Fear response. We think of, you know, we think, okay, spirit-led, and we think reacting in the flesh and reacting in the flesh often, like my head goes to, I, I keep using these examples of, ah, you know, like it's an emotional turmoil of, ah, reacting in the flesh, but, you know, reacting in the flesh can also look like, well, if we sit around and we brainstorm a little bit and we figure this out, we're going to come up with a smart solution, right? Which is also a fleshly response to, you know, how do we divide the land that God already apportioned? If we just get enough smart people on it, if we just take some time and really, you know, draw some lines, I bet we can get a way to make everybody happy with each other, which of course we know is absurd, right? But there is a place, like, I just want to go into that place where, like, the Lord's talking He's preparing, and, and more and more I'm facing each day as somebody who's like, I am just standing on a word, a word on an accumulation of words from the Lord. And I want to look for those places where I am going, bah! you know, um, I... I don't know, a little while back got into a pretty bad thought habit where I was kind of reacting to things and, and I wore a little groove where that thought habit was. Um, too vague? Uh, where basically, you know, things would happen and I'd be like, the, you know, like, you ever get a phrase in your head 
and you keep like everything, anything that happens, that phrase pops up is the first thing you think. Um, and the Lord was like, stop it. It's like, okay. Uh, and, and I got a lot, when I finally said, okay, I, I did have a little bit of like, but it feels good. <laughs> There's something that satisfies my flesh to react this way inside. Uh, but when I finally said, okay, he gave me a lot of grace to really quickly, like, he filled the net group. Um, so if the response, responder, respond leaders want to come on up, I'll finish up with First Thessalonians 5. I mean, this is really, uh, I said first Thessalonians 5, but it's really, it's the like, think it not strange thing is, you know, I told you ahead of time, we, sh- we are meant to be in a place where we're like, yeah, this isn't weird at all because he told me about it. Um, meaning persecution in that context. First Thessalonians 5, <laughs> you're on your own. Mama ran away. First Thessalonians 5, <laughs> 1 through 8. Concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you've no need I should write you, for you yourselves know perfectly the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape, but you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You're all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of the night or of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. Um, you know, drunk's a little bit loosened up, reactive, as opposed to self-controlled, which is a fruit of the Spirit. Um, sometimes it feels like, you know what? Self-controlled's kind of tiring, can we do a little drunk for a little while? Um, and it can be very easy to make a little drunk look like a little God. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So Lord, I just want to ask that you do. Um, you teach us to be sober, teach us to be awake. Lord, we... Um, don't want, even though, even though the flesh is uh, enticed by a little inebriation, a little um, stirred up. Lord, we don't want to be those who are deluded and drunk in these days. We want the clear sobriety of your word resident in us, changing us. I just want to keep asking, Lord, until you do it fully. Would you found us on you, the rock, the word of God? Would you make us, would you make um, our brothers and sisters in congregations throughout the city radically different than the to and fro of this age? that it would bring you glory and, um, and 
lead others in who want it to.